1: again and welcome back to the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I am Tom Holmes and joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you? I'm
0: all right, thank you. How are you?
1: Yeah, good, good. I am good. And we've got two fantastic guests this week. First of all, we have got Liverpool's only Welsh Red on this podcast anyway. It's Sam Evans. Sam, how are you, mate?
2: (laughs) Yes, very good, thanks, mate. Doing very well.
1: Good, good. It's good to have you on. And I'd love to say that Aeon is the only the only Aussie that we have on this pod, but we had Alex on last week. Aeon, how are you, my friend?
3: Very good. Uh, nice and early start for me, but I'm uh, more than happy to be on this pod, thanks, on... Tom.
1: Yeah, good to have you on. And we're going to kick off with Sam's brilliant article on what has been a slightly understated start to the season. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people have sort of maybe been caught up in a little bit of the malaise based on the last couple of weeks. But, um, Sam, I'll let you sort of get into uh, get into your article, give us sort of overview and uh, anything you wanted to highlight before we get going into the discussion.
2: Okay, mate. Um, well,
1: basically,
2: what prompted this article was um, we were chatting on the Nina Cowder show and I, I just kind of felt the need to point out that we've had actually a really good season so far and th- th- there's been a lot of doom and gloom on Twitter, which is, Obviously, it's always knee-jerk and people do panic and uh, overreact. But I, I just wanted to give a bit of perspective, really, because it's so easy. We get so used to the the free-flowing, amazing football that we've been watching that we we've been kind of blinded by that, and we've forgotten the fact that this team has just been quietly efficient and and drama-free to an extent this season. And I, I think it's kind of Partially just we're, we're not used to it. <laughs> so I just, in this article, I just kind of felt the need to point out some st- statistics to show that we, despite not being spectacular and you know, easy on the eye like maybe we were last season, we are still a much, much better side than we were last season, this season. Um, you know, a lot of people remember the glorious end to the season we had barring that final where we just played some breathtaking stuff, a lot of people forgetting that we didn't necessarily start in quite the same vein last season. So um, I just wanted to highlight a load of things like that. Um, During the pod, I did some quick maths at the time and just said, you know, we were on course for for 95 points if we kept the same points per game of of 2.5 per game as we were doing at the time. And... After the podcast then, I went onto Twitter and I could see that Simon had, uh, Simon Brundish had put some stats out there in regards to our season so far and just really highlights that uh, an exciting Liverpool team that concedes loads of goals is far inferior to this current Liverpool team who have really tightened things up at the back and, and become a much more tight unit. And it, it seems like an obvious thing to say. But we've been crying out for this team for for ten years, and now that we finally got it, we don't know how to deal with it. I think <laughs> I think it's a it's a bit of that. So everyone seems to be not used to us being just quietly efficient, nothing too exciting. Just we we're, we're in these games at the start of the season when we had the six wins in a row, we were getting in the lead, and we were never looking like conceding the lead. So. It's, it's so nice to have confidence in your defence and just feel like you don't have to score the four or five goals as we did last season. And even though that was really exciting, it did make me nearly have a heart attack on a number of occasions. Uh, so much so that I actually did write an article at the time about my heart rate uh, flagging up on my uh, Apple Watch telling me that I needed to calm down. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically that that's the, the gist of the article, is where I just go through, put some stats out there, point out that we haven't had 20 points in the opening eight games of a Premier League season for 10 years. So it's been a fantastic start to the season. And I just think that the, the main reason why people have been panicking is that we had that defeat in the Carabao Cup followed quite closely by the defeat in the Champions League against Napoli and I think it's made people panic a bit and it's kind of made them think that our start has been a lot worse than it actually has been. So I think it was just a good time now with the international break on, to kind of take stock, look at the actual situation on paper and just realise that we've had a really, really good start. Um, and also, I go on then to to point out that we've got some easier games coming up now that we've got past this tough spell. Um, you know, I wanted to point out that we've had quite a lot of knocks over this period. I, I, it's been clear that the squad has started to to tire a bit, and I think that's resulted in the injuries to you know Milner, Van Dyke's had a knock. Uh, you have the chest problem. Uh, we had Kate Denner with a back issue. Uh, there's been a number of players maybe starting to flag, so I think it's it's a really good time, for the first time in a long time, I've actually welcomed the international break, just to kind of we I think we needed it we were starting to really struggle we've got the the really good point against Chelsea away, where I think we were the better side, despite needing to score that really late equaliser and a really creditable point against Man City as well, so yeah, I just Sometimes I feel like I, I just need to express how I feel about Liverpool in a positive manner because there's so much negativity out there. So I just felt like it was a good idea just to do that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's you know there's lots of stuff to sort of look at. There's lots of stuff to sort of pick out, and we will try and get into all of that in a minute. Um, but Aon, what was your sort of initial response to the article? Um, what were your thoughts on the article itself? And obviously, what what were you thinking about Liverpool's start to the season?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Go say I agree with Sam. It's a little bit ridiculous for you know our fans to be saying that it is a poor start to the season. <laughs> Understandably, we have gone four games without a win. But I mean, we just take a step back. You just look at look at the facts, really. Um, at at best, we can hope to take if we take four points of each of our rivals. That is quite frankly fantastic, and and we're we're on track to do that. I mean, um, against Spurs, we won away. Um, And then coming to Anfield, they have, frankly, a terrible record against us um, there. Um, Aside from the the two all um, game last season, before that, we're handing out, you know, four nil wins, five nil wins against them. So that puts us in a really good position. Um, I I think the game against Arsenal in a few weeks' time will really show how far we've come. They are pretty much primed for us to take them apart. You know, they're trying to play out from the back, they don't look that comfortable. And I think we just eat them alive. Um, I, I I don't really see, you know, any any reason for us to be negative when when we look at you know how far we've come. Um, a lot of criticism has been given to the front three because they haven't necessarily scored a goal in four games. Um, we can't be brilliant all the time. It's it's just not really feasible for that to happen. So um, like, yeah, as Sam says, yeah, you know, I think I think fatigue is a little bit of an issue. Uh, and the fact that you know the losses did come in such you know, quick succession uh, was a problem for some people. But you know, once once the ball, you know, once we get back in a couple of weeks' time against you know, as Sam says again, in these easier games, people will realize how far we've come as a team. So in the article it was mentioned um, that this is our best start, start since 0809. Um, in in that season we had we had two players in the world 11. We had a peak Stephen Gerrard. Who was quite frankly just amazing, and Fernando Torres who was playing out of his skin. So, I, 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 like, it's just a little bit hard for me to believe that people think that we're having, that this article was written in the first place. Essentially, not that Sam hasn't done a good job, it's just that I just find it ridiculous that people can say that we've had a poor start. Um, you know, and, and just, just, just to go on a point that Sam says then, um, you know, how good it was for us to be, you know, smashing teams really quickly. Uh, but our defense being really poor. Yeah, that's really exciting as well. But, um, at no stage was I confident in a one, you know, a three goal lead, let alone a one goal lead, which we'll have now. So as soon as we get in front now, you know, I'm thinking, you know, that, that that's it. No one's going to score against us. We can shut off trouble if we need to. Uh, but last season it was, you know, it was heart wrenching. <laughs> it was a little bit difficult to kind of, you know, have faith that the team could hold on to anything. Um, so yeah i think we've we've come on in leaps and bounds in the last year alone um and, and klopp you know got to take all the credit for that
0: i think i think for me that's that's kind of the thing i don't necessarily think people are saying we've made a poor start to the season it's more the fact that we've seen a kind of a change in the philosophy so as you've just pointed out there we're no longer really pushing teams okay we we came out of the box very fast against mad city in terms of the press but we're not scoring three or four goals and in quick succession, blowing them away in in 10 minutes. We're a lot more um, sort of reserved in some ways. And I think that's testament to the fact that we do have a defence and a goalkeeper, for that matter, who we can rely on and fall back on if, if need be. And um, you're, you're quite right. I think right now, if, if we go into a game and we're winning and it's 1-0, I feel a lot safer than at times when we were 2-0 up, 3-0 up last season because it was so frantic and frenetic that you knew the other other side was going to get chances. There is now are a little bit more compact, a little bit more tactical in terms of when we press. Um, and you know it's working out so far this season. It's just disappointing that the front three haven't quite clicked yet.
1: Yeah, all points I'd agree with. Um, I, I I think Sam kind of hit the nail on the head when he said, you know, it's been so long since we've had like a good defence. People just kind of like don't really know what to do with it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh well, this is a bit you know boring. We're not we're not conceding goals. We're not We're not really scoring that many goals. Like, you know, you go 2-0 up in a game and that's it. Like, you know, for most good teams, that's how it is. Once you get 2-0 up in a game, that's it, game over. But when Liverpool do it, now we're kind of just like, oh, okay. Like, we're not, this isn't a game anymore. And we don't really quite know what to do that Because normally, you know, in the last few years when we've got to 2-0 up, it's been like, okay, now here comes the heart attack. Or now, you know, now here comes the, um, you know, the 3-4-5. And it's not been the case this season. I think I think one interesting factor in that is potentially the one thing I do sort of want to raise is that, you know, maybe I think it's more a perspective than anything else. Obviously, you know, people want to ask questions of the front three. And I think, you know, we're perfectionists to an extent, right? We're looking at the start of the season and we're going, OK, well, in the last four games, the front three haven't really fired. How do we address these concerns? You know, there's that 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 need for perfectionism rather than sort of sitting back and appreciating what we've got. Um Sam, would you say that's pretty much the case? That, you know, that it's not necessary that people are, uh, not, not necessarily saying under, not necessarily underrating our starts, so much as that they're focusing on the wrong elements of it? Yeah. Maybe
2: that, not, that's...
1: maybe not the wrong elements, just different elements to maybe sort of more negative elements, shall we say. They're looking at the, you know, the wanting to improve rather than the.
2: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to sum it up because no one can possibly say the 20 points to make games is bad. You know, so we we know that it's just as you said they've they've been annoyed by the defeat to Chelsea because it was Anfield as well that didn't help. And let's all be honest, that game against Napoli was was horrific. You know, we didn't have a single shot on target all game. And I think as as a fan base, we have got a bad habit sometimes of concentrating on the negatives instead of just looking at the positives. I and mean, we we just need to be a bit realistic sometimes. You know, we we. We are going to have games when we don't play well. No team plays well week in, week out. You know, if you look back to last season when Man City started to accumulate their massive league, they had a number of really tight games where they had really late winning goals. Um, I think Sterling had one in like the 97th minute, if if I remember rightly. So there was a lot of games where Man City weren't as good as people think they were. You know, at the start of the season. No one is firing on all cylinders right now. It's the same across the board. There are going to be games when we are really struggling. So I, I think, as you said, it's something we're going to slowly get adapted to and get used to. I just think that as a fan base, we've, we've almost become addicted to the drug and the, of the roller coaster that is Liverpool Football Club. And we get such big highs and such big lows. And it's been so erratic. And that's the reason why we haven't won a trophy at the end of the day, because when you have got that kind of big highs and big lows, amazing attacking performances, dreadful defensive performances, it's very hard to win trophies. We've got very close a few times, but we've fallen short in the final, unfortunately. And a lot of that has been to do with that defence. Now that we've got the defence sorted, clock doesn't necessarily feel the need now to get such a big lead and attack so ferociously and so aggressively, and we can be a bit more measured in our approach and have a bit more control in the way that we do play games. It might lead to slightly less exciting games at times, but if that means we're going to get more results, then bring it on. Because I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely desperate for this Premier League title. And the only way we're going to get it is by being a bit more professional and being a bit more careful in our approach and and making sure that we don't leave the back four exposed as we have done in the past. So um, personally, I'm all for it. I'm loving the start of the season. It hasn't been as exciting as we maybe want it to be. But there's no doubt about it. This team is going places and we will You know, give us a month or two. Maybe even this... Weekend now after the international break we'll be firing on all cylinders yet again.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a sort of a more I think professional is the right word. There's this, there has been a sort of a sense of chaos um, about about it, control chaos to an extent, but this season it has been a little more measured. I think measured's another good word to use, um, and I think it's more about you know it's about becoming a more complete team because there were you know there were stages last season where a lot of rival fans and some of our own fans you know could justifiably say. We're not. We're not. I mean, we were never a three-man team, but there was always that perception that Liverpool were an in- insane front three, and everything behind them was a bit meh. You know, there was a lot. We were reliant on that front three to sort of, you know, to get us through games. Whereas this season, we look and we do look a more complete outfit. You know, if we need, you know, the front three to turn up with a few goals, they're going to do that. Whereas there's been a lot of games where we've just looked more be- looked better defensively. Like that's just been the case. I mean, the City game was potentially a disappointing performance in an attacking sense, but like. We, we kept the, the best attack in the league, possibly the best attack in Europe, if we're being completely fair, to a penalty. That's all they had in the whole game. So I think, you know, there's 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 so many positives to be looking at from these sorts of games. I, I think maybe, and I, I agree, you know, we're going to get better. If you look at, you know, Klopp talks about how our, our attack is so pressing based and the pressing game just hasn't got going yet. And it was exactly the same last year. It took a while for us to start firing on all cylinders last year as well the big difference is that we've conceded you know we this time last season we conceded 12 goals so far we've conceded 3 3 goals in eight games is insane and we deserve to have conceded that amount as well um so yeah Aeon, um i'm curious sort of, what do you think the main sort of takeaway is from this first eight games in terms of the positives because obviously you know we can talk about the defense and the attack what do you think sort of the main sort of takeaways are from these first eight games in a positive sense as well as sort of how you think we are likely to improve. Um,
3: yeah, well, well, obviously the defence um, you know, has been mentioned quite heavily there, rightly so. It is you know, a major factor in our success. Uh, I think I think the the depth in our squad um, is also um, something that you know deserves a little bit of praise. Um, in that City game, Lovren came in for his first start, uh, you know, the league season, um, and aside from that little blip where he kind of just bumped into Agüero, he was immense. He made you know, a lot of great challenges. He was, you know, just you know, just just a general. Um, I th- I think uh, Van Dyke's arrival has really really changed him. I, I don't actually remember him making any kind of you know large mistakes since um, since the Dutchman has arrived. Um, and I think he's he's a, he's a great he's a great number two. Um, I don't really see him getting many chances with Joe Gomez being as excellent as he as he has been this season. Uh, particularly um you know just you know one on one defending. Um, but he, at the end of the day, he is a World Cup finalist. He's a Champions League finalist. Uh, he was nominated, uh, for the FIFA best as a defender. Um, and having in re- him in reserve is just fantastic. Um, also, I think, you know, uh, the new guys, I mean, there's, 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 there's so, there's so much, you know, more to come, uh, from the team. Um, you know, the buying Nadi and Fabinho has really lit a fire in Milner and, uh, Wine belly. Um, and these guys are just performing at levels that they, you know, we hadn't really seen them perform at all, but uh, we always knew that they were capable of. Um, and just, just to think that, you know, once these guys are fully settled in, how much more that, you know, they will bring. Uh, I think, I think, um, Navi is a fantastic player. Um, would love really to, you know, we've already seen glimpses of it, of what uh, Oxlade Chamberlain was doing last season, you know, grabbing the ball and just really driving at defenses causing them all sorts of problems, you know, you know, with 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 that in conjunction with the front three, what are teams supposed to do? Um, you know, the first goal of the season against West Ham, a, a really perfect example of that, you know, we were queuing up to put the ball in the back of the net uh, with Mabby just picking up the ball, you know, running about 40 metres forward, you know, chucking it to Robbo and then putting in a perfect cross. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I, if you'd said at the beginning of the season that this is where we would be uh, after the, you know, Coming into the second international breaker would have been your handoff. Um, I couldn't really ask for more.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we've you know, we've talked about reasons to be positive. Liam, what are your sort of main reasons for optimism going into the sort of the next stages of games?
0: I think the positive really is is the case, as you said here, you know, the front three's not really ticking. Um, Firmino's grabbed a couple of assists. I don't think Mane and Salah have any yet. Uh Salah's obviously not quite hit the heights of last season. He's got moving, he's getting into the positions, but the final ball or the final shot's lacking. And so to be sat here thinking, OK, Liverpool are in a, a very, very healthy position at the moment, at the tip of the tip of the table. And we've got our front three who haven't really switched on yet. They haven't really got going. Um, as, as um mentioned there, you've got Nabi Cater who, OK, he's shown glimpses, but he's yet to, to really get going. We've got Fabinho, who can still come into the team. So there's lots and lots of different dynamics that haven't yet quite settled, but when they do, they're going to take us to the next level. So to be at this stage now, with with a case of people talking about Salah's not really hit form, Mane looked a bit out of form against Man City, Firmino, as I mentioned, he's he's kind of in and out. He's doing the pressing very well, but again, we just need a few more goals from those type of areas. Um. So so yeah, to be sat here thinking, okay, Liverpool are, are really challenging for the league at a stage where the front three hasn't got going is, is really op- optimistic and exciting. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um I think I think you know, I think you guys have hit on some of the key points there, which is, you know, we've got we've got two two amazing new signings in Nabi and Fabinho, no other of whom are really in the team yet. We've got Shakiri as well. So we've got these players who can fill out the squad, who can add a lot of depth and and strength to the team. Um, and that's, you know, before we even consider the fact that we've got the likes of Vine and Milner, who've massively improved. And um, so I'm really liking the sort of the shape of the squad at the moment. I think that's really important. And one thing that I think we sort of, haven't necessarily we've, we've kind of talked about is the difficulty of the games that we've played. I mean, I mean, Sam you mentioned yeah, we've got lots of nice games. We've got a nice easier run of games coming up in the next 5 or 6. But I, I saw an interesting stat from I think it was the Tompkins Times um, saying like if you actually crunch the numbers in terms of difficulty this is probably the best start that any team has ever made to a Premier League season. In just in terms of, you know, the points per game coupled with the difficulty of the opposition that they've played. Because I mean we've played we've played the the three bet the three other best teams in the Premier League in our first eight games, two of those away from home. I think, you know, maybe some people are kind of underappreciating how good a result some of the results we've picked up are. I mean, and and maybe that's just because of the level of performances, I guess. Like, you know, Spurs weren't great when we beat them at Wembley. And the fact that maybe you know those last two games against City and Chelsea were both draws in a period that we you know we lost our other two games. Maybe people aren't kind of appreciating the sort of how difficult those games were because I mean you consider the Chelsea game, right? Chelsea away, we lost that game. that was one of our worst performances of last season, and that wasn't just because we were playing after the Champions League. Chelsea are a really really hard team to go and beat. You know their record at Stamford Bridge. There are very very few teams who are going to go and beat Stamford Bridge. I didn't realise you know we won two of our last fifteen games against Chelsea or something stupid like that. Like we, we don't beat Chelsea very often, so for us to even get a point in that game is a good result, I think. And then obviously you talk about Citino, you know, a lot I think a lot of people maybe expected us to do better against City given that we've had such a good run against them last year. But, but you know, Guardiola is probably the best tactician in Europe. He's not gonna turn around and not find ways to to adjust to this Klopp system. And we saw that you know, if you if you look at the game, Guardiola made a lot a lot of um, changes to the way his team played specifically to nullify our attack and it worked perfectly um you know as much you know as much as we maybe would have taken a point from that game Guardiola absolutely went into that game more than happy to take a point and it's very very rare that that a manager of Guardiola's status will go into any game going you know what I'll take a nil nil here so yeah um I sort of think we've, we've covered most of the good points in the article so I'll sort of let you sort of sum up Sam is there anything you wanted to sort of highlight about just anything else you really wanted to sort of get into about just how impressive the start has been?
2: Um, yeah, I think you've summed it up pretty well there, mate. But um, well, one thing, I suppose, is we, we do often forget that there's two teams on the pitch. And we seem to be, if we don't attack well, we, we just completely blame it on our players and the fact that we play badly. But he made a really good point there that teams this season are, are, are coming with a plan, with a game plan, because we are so dangerous going forward. And there was no way that Pep was going to be going into that game at Anfield without something new to try and do because what he did last season clearly didn't work. So um, we were always going to come up against it there. You know, same thing with Chelsea. Even though against Chelsea, I think we arguably shaded the game and possibly could have won it if we'd actually taken our chances and, and finished off a bit better. So and, and there was a couple of lapses of concentration as well, of course, which which did lead to, to one-on-one chances for Chelsea. But, yeah, it's, it's just basically to, to look back on it. And as you said, the, the start we've had fixture-wise has been far, far harder than any of our rivals. And we've got the joint most amount of points out of anyone in the league. So it, it's a, if we have got that many points and, and the perception is that we've, we've played badly, then what's going to happen when we start playing well? You know, it, it's really, really exciting. And even games against Leicester away has been kind of underrated. Um, Crystal Palace as well. They're not easy fixtures. So we've we've got a couple of those little awkward ones out of the way as well. Not just the top. They're you know, not just the Spurs, the Man City, and the Chelsea game. So um, also, you know, that as I mentioned in the article. Keep them for being new to look forward to as well, we're going to be really key players in the second half of the season, so just just loads of positivity really really excited and, and just can't wait for the next league game
1: yeah it's a, it's a great feeling to have where you're you know you want the next game, you're looking forward to the next game, you know every game is exciting rather than every game being a sort of an, oh God, what are we going to do this week yeah. um, and we've come and it's it's i think I think the key point for me, I think this is something you said it's it's hard to appreciate something good when you've got it you spend you know you spend so long basically begging for a team this good and then when it comes along you kind of like oh okay like oh this is what this feels like sure yeah. okay what new? um <laughs> yeah yeah now what um yeah so i feel like we've i feel like we've covered pretty much everything on that topic it was a really 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 good article i think and it was much needed as well i think just sort of a sort of a healthy dose of sort of let's not get too down in the dumps just because we we didn't beat chelsea and city um so we'll go on to talk about your article, on and it's um, a really, really interesting one. I think there's lots of interesting stuff in this one. It's called Assets and Liabilities to Find Arguments of Football. So why don't you sort of talk us through what you're thinking with the article, the sort of the key points of it, and then we can sort of get into some of them.
3: Uh, yeah, sure. So, well, essentially, um, the the thing that made me think about this was um, after I read uh, The Numbers Game, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have read it. It's a fantastic book. It really looks at it's statistics- Um, in football and how, you know, it really, it kind of changes your perspective on what's important, um, and how that has changed over time with our different understanding of data analytics. So basically, one of the chapters of the books, um, you know, specifies that football is a, is a weak link sport, um, where essentially you're only as strong as your weakest link. Uh, if we just, you know, compare that to say another sport, maybe like basketball or something like that, that can be considered a strong link sport where, um, your kind of misgivings can be hidden by, you know, excellent players. Uh, maybe that's down to the fact that the, the court's a little bit smaller um, and, you know, the better players can have, you know, more influence on the game. So um, essentially, uh, if, if, if you just, you know, take it uh, at face level and looking, looking at our squad compared to last season, there are absolutely assets everywhere uh, compared compared to liabilities, uh, particularly in defence. Uh, we look around the terrain. So at the beginning of last season, we had, Trent, who was really an unproven academy pro- uh, product, um, you know, thrust into the side because uh, because of uh, Klein's injury. Lovren was a shambles at the beginning of last season, um, you know, culminating really in him being hauled off after 30 minutes against Spurs at Wembley. Um, Alberto Moreno is frankly hugely suspect defensively. Um, and Matip was in the team as well, you know, in and around the end. And he, he's, he's a good defender, uh, but really he's, you know, not anything that is too inspiring. Um we look look forward to this year. I mean, wow, you look at the turnaround like Trent, you know, nominated for the Golden Boy Award. Uh quite frankly, could have even got into the World Eleven if Danny Eleven uh, Danny Alves, sorry, has been nominated. So that just shows you how far he's come there. We've got uh Van Dyke now, possibly the, the best defender in the Premier League. Um and, and Joe Gomez, uh, who's come up to, you know, who's, I think I think Klopp kind of singled him out when he, you know, I assume, arrived at the club um, as, you know, a potential starter and a, and a first-team starter for years to come, and that's why he didn't really spend money on anyone else, and he knew that Van Dijk could get the best out of him. Uh, and, of course, we have Robbo as well, who's, um, you know, is he the best left back in the league? Maybe Benjamin Mendy is better than him, but still, you know, Scotland captain, confidence at, at an all-time high, um, and our, and our defence is looking great, not to mention, you know, now Alisson uh, is in the team. Who kept us in the Chelsea game. Um, and aside from, you know, the little brain fart that he had at Leicester, um, has been flawless. Um, you know, even, you know, picking the right way at the weekend for the Miro's penalty had he got a run target. So, um, you know, all, all, all credits to, to Klopp for sorting that out, you know, which, you know, kind of just minor changes essentially. It's really only with, you know, two new arrivals. Um, I know, I know Andy was bought at the beginning of last season. Um, but, you know, Klopp's shown that, you know, that he can get the best out of all these players and he can turn, you know, liabilities into assets, um, from his management skills. Um, you know, if we move forward into the midfield, um, like I said a little bit earlier, the competition for places has really, you know, set some players, you know, set down the mic for some players that they need to do better. And, you know, typified by Milner and Wijnaldum. you know, they're, they're just, they look like, they look like new players. Um, and I'm not saying that they were liabilities last season, but they're certainly more of an asset now than they were. Um, and, you know, a lot of criticism has been you know, directed at Henderson for his lack of incision into the final third, but um, you know, just because he doesn't necessarily do that all the time, he really showed why he's such an asset to us um, at the weekend. You know, As you said a little bit earlier, uh, or was that you, Leanne? I'm not particularly sure. Uh, in the first ten minutes against City, we were really at it, and Henderson was at the middle of that. He was, you know, tracking everybody down. He was winning balls high, you know, really letting us getting at their back four. Um, in the PSG game, he made three tackles in about fifteen seconds. That's 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 unheard of, and he he really he's really got that fire. And I can really see why he's captain because he spreads that amongst the team. The the bench the bench again, um, you know, looking looking at last season, um, particularly the Champions League final, when Madrid could bring on Gareth Bale and we were bringing on a semi-fit Adam Alana. It, it, it really shows how far we've come in that regard. You know, Shaqiri, uh, a game-changer, really, you know, running a tie defenses with half an hour to go. Uh, he's, he showed us how good his left foot is uh, with that free kick against Southampton. You know, I should have been a goal in itself. It was It was fantastic. Um him, I think him and Sturridge will, will tear teams apart, you know, in the FA Cup, you know, and even in the Champions League, like against Red Star, I'd love to see him get a run out there. Um, uh, you know, we've already talked about um Naby, uh and Fabinho. Um now the the thing is is that uh as the article is, is, is titled, it's 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 mentioned how it's the fine margins. So what essentially will make an asset a liability is it, it can be a moment on the field. Um, Kate has been kind of culpable, you know, with that a couple of times this season. Uh, against Palace, he was kind of lax, um, you know, at the at the back, and he gave the ball away uh, to Andros Townsend, who, who crashed a shot against the post. Um, and he did the same thing uh, in the Napoli game. I know nobody was particularly good that game, but one time in the midfield, he gave the ball away. You know, the the play built up, and and there was a shot that just went past the post. Um, so while he is capable of the outstanding, um, you know, going back to that Crystal Palace game where he, where he, where he turned, I think it was Van Aanholt, standing for a hot dog, um, and you know, was onto a dribble, he's also capable of, you know, things that will possibly, you know, lead to, to goals. And that's, that's nothing that we should be encouraging. So it's kind of similar to maybe Paul Pogba in that sense, um, you know, He'll really make you go wow in one second, and then you know just be like oh why are you doing that? So it, it really makes you think about what what kind of player do you you know do you want do you want someone that will give you an eight out of ten every game, or do you want someone or do you want someone that is a little bit more mercurial? Someone will give you a ten out of ten, uh, and you know, it, it's possible for them to give you a five out of ten as well. Um, so it's it's a kind of a, a, a different way to look at things. Uh, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts uh, about it as well, guys. Um, you know, what, what do you guys think about? You know, are we do we have more assets and liabilities? Um, I think that's certainly the case. Um, and you know, where do we go forward from here?
1: Yeah, I think you made a lot of, of really interesting points there. I think I, I really like the bit about you know how quickly an asset can become a liability. I mean, the Van Dyke penalty at the weekend is a perfect example of that, right? Van Dyke's such a major asset, and he's been such an asset for so long. But in that moment, he can be a liability. And in that moment, he was a liability. Um, So, Sam, I'm going to get your thoughts on this now, sort of your thoughts overall on the article, anything specific you wanted to pick out. And then, yeah, uh, whether or not Liverpool do have, you know, more liabilities than, more assets, sorry, than liabilities, particularly compared to where they were, say, 12 months ago.
2: Yeah, I thought the article was a really refreshing kind of angle on things and a a different approach to, to looking at, Football in general, and uh, the, the the best thing about it is Liverpool are probably a prime example of exactly the point uh, that Ion's making in in the article itself. Um, we we've been dogged by having a couple of players who let us down with with major errors very often. We, we you know I I don't to particularly scapegoat anyone but you know that we, we know the the, the culprits who we say. We've had many players who would you know our whole team would do the job and then one of our players would switch off, give a penalty away or make a mistake and give a goal away and that that's just exactly what this article is highlighting is that football is is a game where you need to minimize mistakes. That's something that Mourinho has made a career out of is he would make the team Set up as as well as he possibly can to minimise errors and and basically wait for the op- opposition to make their mistakes. And it's surprising how often in football, where if you are an extremely solid unit, that you will end up being on the on the better side of the result. So it does then make sense that rather than signing, you know, in, in this day of FIFA and Premier Manager and all these things. People kind of get obsessed with the stars, don't they? And and wanting to sign uh, the Messi's and Ronaldo's of this world. But uh, as was pointed out in the article, Liverpool, for instance, now have rather than looking to sign a striker because we've already got a strong front three, we've gone out and we've, we've basically fixed our problem areas. And that has elevated Liverpool into a much stronger unit and a much much better side. so it, it does really highlight that that even though sometimes you want Liverpool everyone wants us to sign an attacker, you know it's just always something you want, but sometimes you just need to fix the the things which are maybe less glamorous, but they will result in a much more glamorous result. Um, I love the example of Man City I think that that really did encapsulate it really well where, you know, I, I haven't really thought left and right back was such a key area, Um especially maybe five years ago when we were in the 13-14 season and we had Flano and Sissoko at the back uh and we still nearly won the league. I, I think maybe football has changed slightly and, and the left and right backs are becoming more and more key, you know, in wing-back form. So... Man City knew that they had ageing left and right backs and when they went out and then they spent pretty much 200 million on four players and they solved that problem. That was pretty much the most of the business that they did that summer and they just went out and walked the league. So I think that really does kind of prove Aeon's point in his article that that is something that uh, is really important in football and I'm really, really hoping that Liverpool's recent business in, in sorting out that defence and goalkeeper area is gonna yield a similar results.
1: And I mean you look at on the other side of the coin, you look at teams like Man United, right? Who've got all that money and they could be spending money on players that would really change their team, but they're not. They keep spending it on the wrong players or sort of aiming for the big names rather than actually yeah. rather than actually addressing the issues in their squad. I mean, I mean that, that's partly down to a lack of identity more than anything else. I, I'm, and it's, part, it's down to a lot of factors. But, you know, you, know, you compare how, how someone like Man City and Liverpool have done their business with some, how someone like Man United or even to an extent Arsenal. Look at how those two teams with clubs over the last like, five, six years have done their business. And it's, it's just clear to see you know which teams have sort of taken this philosophy of we, you're only as good as your weakest link. Seriously, I mean, you know, I think the goalkeeper point is just so important. How many years have we been held back by having Simon Minelay in goal? How many years, even even Carrius? Like, I'm not, not sure Carrius was ever, you know, actively bad, but he was always the weak link in the side, if that makes sense. You know, you look at that starting eleven from even, you know, the last six months. You look at the sort of the back end of the season. You know, the the final couple of months, even the Champions League final. Who were the weak links in the starting eleven? And Carrius was one of them. Like, that's not even necessarily an insult to him. It's just sort of saying, you know, you've got those all those good players and all those good positions but you've got one or two players who are laying them down. And that's been I think that's been our story for a couple of years now. So I'm really, really glad to see that with the likes of Virgil and with Alisson, we've really, really made a change. Um, Leanne, I wanted to sort of hone in on one of the other points that um, Aon makes about individuals, and maybe talking about Mo Salah for a little bit here, because he's the sort of player where um, at the moment he, he is, I mean, he's obviously an asset overall, but you can see how those fine margins and in his own game, um, you know, there are elements of his game that are becoming a liability to the team. What did you make of that part of the article and what did you make of, of Salah overall this season?
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I completely agree because I think, as I said earlier, Mo Salah, his movement's there. His his vision is there. He's picking out some really good balls, particularly against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. His, his movement was bang on. He was getting in the right positions. Okay, he couldn't put the, the ball in the back of the net a couple of times. He you know, he ran it off the keeper, went a little bit too wide. There was a rustiness to his game. But the fact his movement was there was was a good thing. It was creating space for others. It was making the Chelsea defense work, and we've seen that seen that at times this season. And that's that's the positive side. That's the asset. The liability is, is when, as, as pointed out in the article, brilliantly, and and by Jamie Carragher himself. Um, the problem becomes when Salah, who is clearly off form of some kind. That's not to say he's having a, a dreadful season, as a lot of people are putting it. But but when he is off color and he's he's Sort of spraying passes that aren't going anywhere. They're very hit and miss. And, um, you know, the opposition is able, opposition is able to capitalize on those and, and get into positions that can cause danger and get at our midfield, get out our back four. Then that becomes a problem. And I think we saw that a couple of times just in the last few games. Maybe it's a, a case of he's, he's burnt out a little bit. He looks like he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders at the moment. Um, obviously he came in last year as the, the Chelsea reject and, and he kind of was able to stand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm a good footballer here, you, you will take note of me. And now everyone's waiting to see what he does this season. That There is that pressure that he didn't have to deal with before. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with this idea of assets and liabilities. I think Mo Salah is obviously still a huge, huge asset. Even when he's off his game, he can change a, a game in an instant. But there's a couple of instances we have seen where his possessional sense isn't really there. His his Retention isn't really there sometimes, and it's it's causing a couple of problems. But as we saw against City, um, not against City, I don't think it was City anyway. Um, Klopp isn't afraid to to take Salah off, which I think is is another really good thing, and it it bides into this idea that Klopp is sort of changed his tactics this season. He's not just looking at Salah to do things. He's he's there and he's saying, okay, Salah's off colour. He's he's putting us in a couple of dangerous positions. We're gonna we're gonna take him off and put someone in. In there, So, yeah, I think overall it was bang on on Sada.
1: I guess the other thing with Mo is when Mo's on the pitch and when he's not necessarily scoring goals, there's always going to be that little subplot of, of Mo needing a goal and maybe his personal confidence, maybe his personal sort of, it, maybe not, maybe, you know, I'm not suggesting Mo would do anything against the team. But, you know, sometimes when you are in that kind of form as, a, as an attacker, you can get in your own head that you're not doing enough to contribute to the team. You can start to sort of get in your own head a little bit. And maybe that's, you know, that's just the thing that, pop, that that can become a bit of a liability in that sense. You know, you've got all those players on the pitch and you're having to focus a little bit too much on one player's form. That, that can be, get to the stage where it can become a liability. I'm not, I mean, obviously we're not there yet. And it's, it has been the case that, you know, Mo's not quite been firing for a few weeks and we've had some big games, but you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you need your best player to come off the pitch for the good of the team. That's never a good situation to be in, um, which, again, I just think is really interesting because, you know, you're looking at these these clear assets and you're saying, you know, how quickly or how little it can be for these big assets to slide to liabilities. And, you know, I, I think the Virgil thing, so, you know, the Virgil penalty is just such a big element. You know, it's Virgil's a player, who you know, he's been an asset for 89 minutes. And then he, he has that moment of madness, not maybe not madness, but he has that moment that, that can change the game. And suddenly, you know, your biggest asset is suddenly a liability. And I just think that's a really, really interesting way of looking at it. Um, Aon, is there anything else you wanted to highlight that either you didn't get a chance to sort of expand on in the article or that you don't think we've really discussed enough in this uh, podcast so far from the article? Cause there's a lot, it, you know, it's quite a dense article. As you said, there's bits in there about Mourinho at Chelsea. There's bits in there, as we've already talked about potentially at Man City and uh, there's bits in there about Cater Carragher. So, uh, you know, is there anything else you wanted to sort of pick out that we haven't maybe gone into in enough depth?
3: Uh, no, I think you guys have really uh, you know, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, as, as Leanne was saying, you know, um, you know, with, with Mo Salah in in in, um, in the PSG game, um, the fact that Klopp pulled him off, I think, was very you know admirable because at no stage last season would he have come off because he was just that important for us. Like even if he had done something as silly as giving the ball away, uh, which he did for PSG's second goal, um, I think you know if he. If you know we say, we say we say he's lacking confidence um it's you know maybe maybe the shoulder injury is, you know playing uh, you know on his mind a little bit um but you know last season he probably doesn't you know give that ball away there and we break away and we probably score a goal um the fact that he you know it came off and you know like you know ag- again it kind of leads to the depth you know we have we have so many assets on the bench now um that if you know even if you're not necessarily a liability even if you're kind of just plateauing um, you know, we, we, we've got the luxury of hauling you off and bringing somebody else on. So I think, um, you know, we're in a really good position. Um, and, you know, I'm just I'm just quite glad that, you know, that really reflecting on, you know, the, the, the changes that have happened over the last year, how many more assets we have um,
1: comparatively in our hand uh, compared to the liabilities. Bobby Firmino as well after 70 minutes against City. I never thought I'd see Bobby Firmino come off after 70 minutes in a big game. Um yeah, uh, Sam, I'll let you sort of um, have your say on this as well before we sort of uh, wrap up from the article. Is, you know, any other points that you kind of wanted to pick up on? I mean, I, I know you really like the City point, point. Um, and I th- again I think that's a really interesting one, but you can look at say, for example, Mourinho uh, his second stint at Chelsea, where, you know, he picks the right players to sort of move on. And one, one comparison I was maybe thinking was the 2009 Liverpool team that obviously didn't end up winning the league, because, you know everyone goes on about how strong our spine was, but we had, you know, three, four positions in that team that just weren't good enough.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of points there. That I, I really liked um, that. That one you were just saying there now about the fact that we are now feeling like we can substitute these key players, Firmino, Salah, if they're not performing. As you said before, we we just keep them on the pitch anyway, just in case they come up with the goods because we we had little other option and. Now that we have fixed those those weak areas um, which are so key in making the team better, we now feel like we can take off those players when they're not performing because the squad is that much better and you know, the other point is, as you're saying before about man United for instance they're very much going for just the big name players that the ones that are going to bring in the sponsorships and not necessarily kind of sorting out any of the problems in the squad and it, it sounds absolutely mad that they're doing that kind of thing at at such a you know massive club with so much money but it, it does happen across the world where where sometimes they're concentrating on the wrong areas and, and sometimes you're better off just fixing something that's a lot less glamorous and you the, the net gain will be far it'll far outweigh the gain you would have from signing someone, uh, you know, a big-name player. So, um, yeah, I just really like the article. I thought it did give us a bit of a different angle on things. And, uh, yeah, just really, really glad that uh, Liverpool seem to be going for that same kind of approach now, that the, the surgical um, transfer dealings which we're doing, which is just, rather than... Before we had a bit of a scattergun approach to our transfer dealings, we were just throwing darts at a board and hoping to get a bullseye. Whereas now we're very much pinpointing our targets far, far in advance, finding the areas where we need to improve, and and we're getting our men. And I think having a manager like Klopp at the team is is so vital in that. You know, when we had Rodgers, we tried to fix these areas where we had problems, but players just didn't want to come to us. So, uh, yeah, just long me continue.
1: Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else anyone wants to add before we wrap up? Uh, otherwise, we can just go straight to plugs. Uh, and Aon, if you want to take the first plug, if uh, no one wants to jump in.
3: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, not too much to plug, to be honest. Just um, if, you'd, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, uh, my handle is AonNY. Uh, and you can find my articles on Anfield Index.
1: Okay, all sounds good. And Sam, is there anything you wanted to plug? Um, Yeah, obviously the article
2: that we're talking about, if you want to give that a read. um, And I've done a number of podcasts recently, uh, was on the Nina Couser show after the, the City game. So if you want to give that a listen, that'd be great. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sambo Evans.
1: Okay. and finally, Leanne, is there anything you need to plug this week?
0: Um, it's been a pretty slow week for me, actually, just getting back into the swing of university. So, um, the only thing I will plug is this show. Just make sure you keep on um, listening. Lots of work goes into it behind the scenes, and of course, we couldn't do it without our brilliant writers. So, cheers for coming on, guys. No problem, thanks for having me. No problem.
1: Yeah, as ever, just echoing Leanne's thoughts. You know, we couldn't do this without the writers, and I want to give a big shout out to Guy Drinkle because this is not the first time this week. Guy's got me out of a bit of a hole in terms of recording. So, you know, it's great to have someone like Guy who's always always there and always reliable to um you know to to record the podcast because you know people like Guy do a lot of work behind the scenes that you know doesn't necessarily ever get addressed in the final product um in terms of myself i've got one article out at the moment which is about um similar to some of the stuff we've covered in this article sort of looking at liverpool looking at liverpool's first day games of last season compared to this season and looking at where we've improved and how we've improved and you know as i as i mentioned in this part it's it's the defence really you know it just is there's no two ways about it Um, so yeah that is all from me and that is all from us thank you so so much for listening thanks for coming on guys and we will be back next week see you then
2: Podcast Network.